Hello, everyone. My name is Peter Dre, and I'm happy to uh, present you my TaxBite podcast uh, recording regarding the latest OECD guidance on Pillar 2. I invited Jean-Philippe van West. Jean-Philippe is, a, as many of you know, a senior counsel in our team and also professor international and European tax law at the very Universiteit Brussel, the VUB. And I thought it was, well, although it's a very busy period for everyone, rushing to Christmas and, and the holiday period, also the OECD has finalized some of its work and, and has published uh, recently, uh, on, on Monday the 18th, published uh, additional guidance on Pillar 2. Since this is so important, I did want to take the opportunity to have this short podcast recorded to update you all on that. And I thought, Jean-Philippe, why not uh, invite you? Because you're, of course, our expert in that field. Um, Jean-Philippe, so was this expected uh, that, that the OECD would come with some more guidance now? Uh, yes, Peter, and, and as well, uh, hello everyone from my side. Well, it's becoming kind of a tradition eh, that the OECD re releases documents just before uh, the Christmas break or the winter break. So we had uh, December 2021, we had the OECD model rules uh, on Pillar 2. Uh, December 22, uh, so last year, we had the, the safe harbors and the penalty relief document. And so this year, uh, Monday, December 18, we had some uh, administrative uh, guidance, uh, which is actually the, the third round of uh, administrative gui guidance. Uh, the third one of the year. So in February 2023, we had the first round of administrative guidance. July 2023, uh, the second round of administrative guidance. And so now uh, the third uh, round. Um, maybe on that uh, administrative guidance uh, released earlier uh, this week, so on Monday the 18th, um, some expected uh, a, a list of like more like a frequently asked questions document, uh, which would mean that it would be just a, a document for, for uh, from the OSD Secretariat, but uh, it isn't. It's uh, it is an inclusive framework uh, document, so uh, it's it's uh, received actually approval approval from all inclusive framework uh, members. Uh, so that is uh, that's a good thing, I think. Yeah? So that's that at least that all inclusive framework members uh, agreed uh, with the guidance. Um, next to that, uh, so we mentioned uh, the, the administrative guidance published. Importantly, uh, as well, uh, a statement was published on Pillar 1 amount uh, A. Yeah, so um, I think it's, it's very important. Is there is there a big overall story? The way that I read it, Jovely, but, but happy for your view um, as well, of course, is that somehow the OCD is, is trying to, to facilitate now uh, the taxpayer confronted with Pillar 2. And the, the, the way that I read this, this latest document, I will go in more detail later on, of course, but uh, it's more like, um, yeah, some businesses have an issue with this problem. Okay, the OCD proposes now a pragmatic, flexible way of working around that. Is that also your perception or how do you see this, this development? In uh, indeed, uh, and I think that's that's correct, and that's probably why some expected a more like a fuck frequently asked question because indeed it addresses particular, as I read it, particular uh, issues, uh, so that it's clearly that there is a certain issue and they want to uh, find uh, a solution that is probably a relatively uh, or like a workable solution uh, for practice. I think as well, uh, what I find is that the because it's the third round of administrative guidance, and so the more guidance there is, the more actually they go into the, to the details. And I think I expect this to continue in the future. So the more that now Pillar 2 will enter into force, the more that that uh, this this detailed uh, issues will come up and that you will have to uh, find answers for them but how about okay. you peter what do you what were your uh takeaways actually when you when you read the guidance 
Well, for me, there are a couple of very important uh, points in the guidance eh, that that for many of the audience here will be important to know about. Eh? So, if if I if I look through the document, well, there are six chapters, um, and I think the first chapter is a very important one. It's about purchase price accounting adjustments. So, um, in this chapter, um, there's a common common issue here with with purchase price accounting uh, issue. I must say, uh, uncertainty. I think for many taxpayers, and that is, um, you want to apply the safe harbor, so you want your country by country report to be um, to be qualifying. So you need these qualified financial statements uh, to have a qualifying country by country report. And the question was whether um, if you prepare your country by country report, purchase price uh, accounting adjustments can be included in, 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 in your data. And, and that was a big uncertainty because of course, if your country by country report would not be qualifying, it means for many businesses, a huge increase in administrative burden. Eh? And now um, the guidance is, is making a big step towards taxpayers and is basically saying that, um, yeah, you, 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 you should not um, eliminate necessary uh, all the purchase price uh, adjustments. You can basically, if you continue to use your CBC report as you used to do that uh, in the past. So I think that is a very, uh, very important step to take for me. And, and if I look further in the document, I see that, that they try to really facilitate um, the taxpayers a lot. Um, let me let me take a few um, examples. Eh? Um, if there is any, yeah, let's say uncertainty on, for instance, um, the financial year for a, for a, a company. Eh? There was there was a, a question. Well, if you have different year endings for different constituent entities, well, how how should you deal with that? Which number should you take if your financial year is ending end of December of a certain year? And another constituent entity in your group is already closing 30 November. Well, which 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 financial statement should you take? And here also the document is going in uh, in, in in detail and saying, look, you can take the, the the financial statements as per 30 November, which ends in the year of the ultimate parent entity. So all these 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 little guidances are, are I think very very useful. Um, they um, they also continue to explore um, yeah what. Um, what what conditions are there for um, the traditional uh, country by country um, um, safe harbor testing? Eh? What if, for instance, um, you have um, a territory uh, which distributes a dividend? Eh? You 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 typically a dividend. Uh, what will happen is that uh, if there is a withholding tax on dividends, this this tax will be included in the jurisdiction that receives the dividend, eh? and that that jurisdiction typically might include that even in in the the, the current tax. If the dividend is, is part of the profit before tax and on the other hand the jurisdiction that is distributing the dividend is actually entitled under the pillar two rules to take into account the withholding tax on dividends so here you can have a double up basically if if the, the jurisdiction that receives the dividend is safe harbored then this jurisdiction might uh, disclose the, the withholding tax on the dividends on the other hand if the jurisdiction that is distributing the dividend is not safe harbored it might take into account the same withholding tax when doing its detailed pillar two calculation it's also here the guidance is saying, well, look, that's just a consequence of having uh, transitional safe harbor rules, which are a simplification rule. It means that, um, yeah, you could have um, uh, these kind of situations, and that's okay for Pillar 2. Uh, another issue that we are often seeing in country-by-country country reports is that uh, different countries rely on different data sources. So um, um, Belgium, for instance, the line Belgium in your country-by-country country report is based on uh, certain financial statements in Belgium. Another line might be based on more IFRS type of, of data. 
Well, here also a question came, well, is my country by country report still qualifying if I use different sources of data uh, for different jurisdictions? Well, there again, OECD is proposing a pragmatic approach and saying, yes, your country by country report will continue to be qualified as long as you use the same source of information for one jurisdiction. Eh? What you obviously cannot do is say, well, I will determine my profit before tax based on um, on IFRS, and I will take for a tax charge my uh, my my Belgian in in case of Belgium um, financial statements to to look up my tax cost. That will not work. Eh? So the, the 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 safe harbor testing should happen on the same source of data for a jurisdiction, but you can mix throughout different jurisdictions with your uh, financial data. So this is all kinds of um, um, simplifications. Maybe one last John Philippe that I noted when when reading it is. Uh, the permanent establishments. Also there, a lot of questions came. Um, how can you determine the financial information of a permanent establishment? There are possibly no separate financial statements available in the group. So also here, um, OCD being pragmatic is proposing, well, you can use basically then, um, the, uh, for instance, management accounts that you have available for your permanent establishment and, and determine the profit before tax and the taxes uh, on that basis. So here you see for me, it, it, my impression is, Jean-Philippe, it's, it's really the OECD trying to solve a lot of uh, practical issues that companies have uh, with the Pillar 2 rules. So that's a bit uh, my impression. Is that is that how you look at it as well, uh, Jean-Philippe? Yes, yes, indeed. Eh? And I think, at least for me, when reading the document, it seems that uh, because it's it deals with particular uh, issues that I think uh, business or companies should carefully uh, assess uh, the impact of this of this guidance. Uh, one point that I uh, still find important as well is that there is as well um, most most of the guidance let's say is is in favor of the taxpayer right, to facilitate implementation, but as well there is this anti anti arbitrage uh, rule, so the certain uh, planning to to let's say to uh, with hybrid instru like hybrid instruments or hybrid situations where you have a uh, deduction, non inclusion, double deduction, and so uh, so that these anti arbitrage rules uh, are in there as well. So that is something to uh, so not only in favor uh, of the taxpayer. Uh, that's another conclusion I, I had. Um, when uh, when reading the document, I was also thinking, uh, well, this is uh, what is actually not uh, in there. Or so, okay, we have this administrative guidance, but um, for example, how about uh, the peer review process? I, mean, I, I was thinking maybe we'll we will see as well something about the peer review process. But there, uh, no document or nothing was released. However, in the uh, the communication. Of, uh, on December 18th, uh, it, it states that it, it, this, this communication released by the OECD, uh, the inclusive framework will also implement a robust and transparent peer review process and continue the ongoing work on the administrative framework and uh, dispute resolution mechanism. So it means that with respect to this peer review process, so when uh, an income inclusion rule, uh, IIR, uh, UTPR under text uh, profits rules, when they are qualifying uh, as well, uh, domestic minimum top of X, when they're qualifying so this peer review process uh, will uh, this ongoing so they're busy at the OECD with that one and work will continue and as well as I mentioned uh, work on dispute resolution uh, is they're working on this which is as well good uh, to hear of course uh, the sooner uh, the better there for business of course um, uh, as well what they mentioned in the in this communication is that they will uh, work on on further guidance so further guidance can be uh, expected in 2024 first half of 2024 for example uh, on the deferred tax liabilities uh, recapture uh, rule 
So, and then they say as well that uh, in the course of 2024, uh, there will be uh, a revised version of the commentary where well, in which they will incorporate all this administrative guidance. So if you take this all together, uh, as to further work on the peer review, uh, further work on administrative guidance, uh, further work on dispute resolution, uh, a revised version of the commentary. So there's still a lot uh, to expect uh, in 2024 uh, with, respect to, uh, with, to, with respect to Pillar 2, uh, I would say. Yeah, and that's interesting, Geoffrey, what you mentioned, because it, it feels a bit like the OCD is determining the rules while the system is already going to be in place. Eh? So um, th that's going to be a big challenge, I think, if you look at the implementation of Pillar 2 throughout the world uh, at this moment in time, so we're the end of 23, uh, when recording uh, this podcast, see that many jurisdictions still have to uh, enact the rules. And some jurisdictions have enacted like like belgium eh, where i'm from uh, the rules have been enacted but of course rules are still changing now with the additional guidance so it'd be interesting to see how countries with a, a constitutional system like belgium eh, where tax law should follow uh, sh tax should follow a law eh, and cannot be just introduced by by guidance or by reference to the ocd uh, guidance it will be interesting to see how the legislative process will, will run around that and and that can create for me important accounting issues eh? because from an accounting perspective of course you will look at if your financial year end is is december 23 you will look at what legislation is enacted at that moment eh? and, and and some some of the legislation may not yet be enacted signed uh, voted uh, at that moment in time so i think that will create some some challenges uh, for next year um yeah, good point that what you mentioned on the on the peer review, because that's, I think, also something of a big concern for a lot of countries. Eh? Will my local rules be uh, qualifying for Pillar 2? Will my domestic top-up tax be qualifying and for the for the safe harbor rules, etc.? So that's going to be a big challenge, uh, I think, for 2024 20, and the next weeks and months to come in different, uh, in different countries. Um, my, my key message actually would be for the audience, um, like... Um, Probably um, when you start a new year, you will be looking at your uh, disclosures for Pillar 2. You will be considering your safe harbor testing. Well, I think this is a guidance that is published by the OCD is providing some very important uh, new principles uh, or flexibility uh, to make sure that your country by country report is qualifying. So I would say benchmark test your situation with what's in the guidance here, just to make sure your CBC report is qualifying. I think that's for me a key takeaway from this this guidance and then of course keep an eye on what will come next in the next weeks to come um when when further uh, guidance will, will be published uh, i would say jean philippe what would be your takeaway for the audience here uh well i pretty much the same so uh much much more uh much more to come in uh in 2024 um and as i mentioned so i Think for business they should carefully assess the the potential uh, impact uh, of this uh, of this additional guidance uh, on their uh, on their uh, uh, the impact on their implementation process uh, of pillar two and uh, maybe a, a small announcement uh, to make uh, because uh, beginning of february so on february the 5th the 6th and the 7th uh, we will we will uh, organize our next uh, webinar trilogue 
uh, so three uh, three sessions of one hour and a half on each of which on in the first session we will discuss an update of pillar two the second one uh, an update on pillar one uh, on the state of uh, state of play on pillar one and the third one uh, where we will discuss uh, other European and international tax developments uh, that should be on your radar and of course the impact of these developments uh, on your business so I would say uh, don't forget uh, to note uh, to note the, these dates in your agenda February five six and seven and and to register via the the link uh, which will be put in the in the show notes so that would be uh my takeaway peter yeah thank you thank you philip um well i would say that that's it for pillar two maybe since we have a few minutes left uh, jean philippe you can also just share a bit with the audience on uh, another document that was published uh, the timeline on, on on pillar one uh is that actually moving forward jean philippe pillar one uh well indeed uh pillar one as it's with respect to this amount a a document uh, was released amount a uh, this reallocation of taxing rights to market jurisdictions for the the, the, the largest and most profitable uh, companies as a revenue uh, over 20 billion profitability above uh, 10 percent and they're probably the the shortest uh document released by the oecd uh on the two pillar uh project that pillar one pillar two it contains only uh two paragraphs and there were uh, as you uh, as you remember in october 2023 a multilateral convention of plus 200 pages was released uh, and the commentary plus 600 pages uh, was released and the idea was to have this signed uh, before the year end uh, this was uh, a bit too ambitious, and now in this uh, document released on uh, on Monday um, this week, uh, they say, well, uh, they hope to finalize the text of the multilateral convention by the end of March 2024, uh, because as you remind, in the, the text released in October, there were still some uh, pending issues. And they say as well, uh, there's the, they hope, or like there's the, the ambition uh, to hold a signing ceremony by the end of June 2024. So I would say this project, uh, it's uh, they keep uh, they keep uh, they keep on working on it, and it's postponed for let's say uh, with another half a year uh, to have the signing ceremony. What is uh, the question there? Is uh, what about this uh, standstill? on the SDs as so far the position was as long as the work of, on uh, pillar one uh, amount a is ongoing um, there should be no uh, there, no new GSTs uh, digital service taxes should be introduced uh, with that uh, this uh, that this would be extended there's no that there is a new extension this was not uh, uh, communicated but well that they are working towards a, a new extension so that uh, remains to be seen as well uh, in the course uh, the next few weeks months whether a new extension uh, will be in place and whether countries will indeed uh, not introduce uh, DSTs in 2024 and there it will be for example interesting to see what uh, what Canada will do since they announced they would uh, introduce one as of uh, 1st of January 2024 uh, retroactively so that with respect to uh, amount uh, a pillar one amount uh, a then uh, is there something on amount B? Uh, well, no, with respect to amount B, uh, no communication. So that as well will be uh, for uh, 2024, Peter. Okay, but well, it seems 24 will be an important year again, uh, Jean-Philippe, with a lot of developments. So this is the last podcast of uh, 23, but I'm sure we'll get back to you with uh, many more podcasts in 24, keeping you updated on all these developments that, that lie ahead of us. So I would like to thank you for listening to my podcast in 23. It's a real pleasure to see that that you, the audience, is, is, is growing. So I see that as a sign that you appreciate uh, 
the content and, and what we try to do in this podcast. So thank you for that and uh, wishing you all the best for the for the new year for 24 and have a great holiday period. Jean-Philippe, thank you for joining me in this podcast and uh, for you the same. Eh? Best wishes. <laughs>